ready? Yes, I am. Okay. As soon as I click this. Uh -huh. This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. Welcome to Common Threads. I'm Fred Stella, President of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. And uh, today we're going to talk about theater, which is one of my great loves. You know, I don't talk a whole lot about myself here on Common Threads, but one of the hats I wear is that of an actor. I act in stage productions here in Grand Rapids, both amateur and professional. I'm occasionally in a TV commercial or a training film, and the occasional independent film. There's a... Uh, play that opened up last weekend, and it's called Come In From the Rain, an exploration of homosexuality, homophobia, and a hometown church. And it is produced by Concerned Clergy, an organization here in Grand Rapids. And representing Concerned Clergy, I have uh, two guests today in the studio. One is Reverend Ron Skidmore. He is the Minister of Spiritual Development and Adult Education at Park Church, UCC, He's been in the ministry since 1982, and he's uh, had education at Yale Divinity, Slippery Rock University, a Christian Theological Seminary, and Olivet College here in Michigan. And uh, with Reverend Skidmore is Reverend Sarah Campbell. She is an associate minister at East Congregational Church, UCC, in historic Ottawa Hills. She's formerly a campus minister at a state university in Minnesota, in addition to pastoral and preaching responsibilities. She's involved in Concerned Clergy, obviously, and also Faith in Motion, which is an organization concerned with mass transit in Grand Rapids, and also Urban Sprawl. And welcome to you both. Thanks for coming here on Common Threads. Thank you. So last weekend, coming from the rain open, uh, let me give you a little bit of background as to how I almost fit into this picture. Coming from the rain was written by Michael Smolinski who is, is Mr. Theater here in Grand Rapids. He has a wonderful background. In the past 15 years, he has written plays. He's been in a number of plays. Uh, and we were in a show together about uh, six months ago called uh, Conversations with My Father through Jewish Theater Grand Rapids. And at the cast party, he told me about this wonderful project he was involved in and that you folks had uh, commissioned him to write this play. And we, we also talked about the possibility of me being in it. He mentioned a couple of parts that I, I might have been okay in. Uh, unfortunately, when uh, the rubber met the road, uh, my wife and I were planning a trip to New York that would have uh, been a conflict with mm -hmm. when the play was on. So I had to bow out of that. But I was very excited about the play because it had to do... It was inspired by some of the life of Jerry Crane. Right, right. And, uh, Sarah, if you could refresh our memories as to who Jerry Crane was. I, I, I have a hard time believing that there's anybody in Grand Rapids that doesn't know who Jerry sure, Crane was. Sure, sure. But um, just in case. Let's see, four years ago? I Five years? Four. four um, years ago. Yeah. yeah, Jerry Crane was a much beloved high school teacher in Byron Center and was um, let go uh, once it came out 
that uh, he was he gay. He came out. He came out, right, that he was gay. And um, what ensued then was um, the fact that he had been a part of a covenant ceremony that a minister here in town had done. Uh, he and his partner uh, were joined uh, in a religious ceremony. And so there, a lot of discussion came out about the intersection of the church, Christian faith, and homosexuality. And um, do you want to add to that, Ron? Well, that was the beginning point for concerned clergy in that in response to those issues, um, there was quite a lot of um, various media attention. It seemed national to attention. us, maybe even national, yeah, but what we were just concerned locally in Grand Rapids, there was the media attention that, that initially um, was focused there. Um, seemed to highlight uh, only a very conservative Christian viewpoint and, and a not very accepting Christian viewpoint. Uh, and so there were a, a few of us who wondered, uh, knew that there were many of us in town, um, more liberal um, Christian clergy who would represent uh, our view on that differently. And we decided to um, start to see what we could do to make a voice that would be heard um, that would let people know that there was more than one way to approach the issue from a Christian perspective. So con concerned clergy actually started when all of this was going on at Byron Center High School. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah from the wake of that, um, the clergy came together. And at this point now, we have had 70 clergy from 12 different denominations in West Michigan who have signed this, um, I think it's just a beautifully written uh, letter that uh, speaks about the church and faithfulness and homosexuality in this what we think is uh, is also a very faithful mm -hmm. faithful way mm -hmm. now were either of you actually involved at that time yeah i was um one of the there were six of us who met at gibson's restaurant oh, you uh, were one of the original lunch. six yeah. oh my goodness uh to try to decide what we might do just to, to make this um this witness from the other side, if you will. Um, and our determination was that we we would write a pastoral letter, um, uh, the one that Sarah has mentioned. And as it turned out, we, we took some time and, and crafted a letter uh, in the process, uh, inviting other people who we thought might be interested in the project and, and perhaps able to sign. Also inviting a number of people who we knew for, for political reasons within their denominations uh, probably wouldn't be able to sign, but would be in support of what we were doing. And um, it, as it turned out, and even much to our surprise, when we released that letter to the newspaper, it was a uh, front page news on a, on a Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was in 1996. Yeah. And then, and that was the first piece. And then this group of clergy, we have met uh, monthly uh, since that time, both for uh, just support of supporting each other. We're very collegial. Um, and also we have put together two major workshops in the past three, four years where we brought in um, biblical scholars and had had a wonderful um, participation in that. But we got to the point where we were talking about what, what do we want to do next to engage our community and we thought we need to engage the heart more. And so theater we thought would be the way to do that mm -hmm. rather than just the head. Real quick, I'm just curious, did con concerned clergy ever actually go down to Byron Center and, and have a presence there? I don't think so. Not that I'm aware of uh, as, as a 
part of anything we all did together. If there had more opportunities for some of that, it may well be that some of our people who are members of our group did, but I, I can't think of the time. And, and I think that right now the name Byron Center has become symbolic of something uh, homophobia, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm concerned about that because I do know clergy in Byron Center who, who were grieved over this whole process, and for whatever reason were not themselves able, able to maybe be as vocal as they would have liked. We really took the, the tack of wanting to try and, um, once we got going and, and started thinking about what, what it was we were hoping to accomplish, uh, education seemed to be the focus, and that's why the first two years we, we spent time um, organizing and doing those two um, quite successful workshops with, with well-known biblical scholars addressing uh, the issue. Um, before we decided to try something different. Uh, this project has taken us two years, so we've been... Uh, and we've gotten into something that we had never imagined how, how complicated with this piece of theater. Um, Ron and I have been working very closely with Mike since the beginning on the script, and so we've been a part of this creative process, which has just been it's so been a fun. Lot of fun. We've tried to not be... We've commissioned it, but we've really, of course, want to... You didn't co-write it, is what you're trying to say. Right. Creative freedom was important, and yet um, we gave feedback, and we're uh, especially concerned about how clergy might be portrayed in the <laughs> news play. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Those typical stereotypes, you know, they won't yeah, go away. We, we, right. Um, and then, um, I, of course, to have all these busy clergy who have all of our own things going to be involved in the the ticket sales and the, the uh, publicity and everything else, it's much bigger than we had anticipated, but we, um, the ticket sales are going wonderfully. They continue to, and mm -hmm. they were last weekend. And um, it's, it's all coming together almost miraculously. That's, that's what I've heard. I, I know, uh, let's talk about uh, two people who are intimately involved with the play, not each other. Uh, Fred Sabolski and Greg Stroh, uh, mm -hmm. who have co-directed. Uh, I know both of them, and both of them are very, very committed to uh, the project. And uh, you've worked with both of them in, in the past couple of months, or, or is that out of your area? We, the Concerned Clergy started the process working with, um, or hoping to work with, um, Fred, and, and interesting Fred in the project. Uh, and he indicated that he was and, and actually helped work on, on some of the earlier versions of the script. Um, um, was a, I think the right term was dramaturge to, to mm -hmm. Mike in the process of writing that. Um, and then he did agree to do the directing, um, but realized somewhere along the line that, that the, uh, this project was going to cross over with some interference with another one in which he's involved. And stop at that kiss. point, Sideman. Um, stop Kiss or Sideman? Okay. Yeah, Stop Kiss uh, was, was directed by, by somebody, somebody else. else. He's yeah. a, yes, he's also in the process while doing this uh, directing Sideman at Actors well, that, And so he decided to bring Greg in uh, to, to co-direct and to be able to see the project through to completion these last few weeks when Fred has to focus elsewhere. Mm -hmm. well, and that's how that happened. my connection, too, is um, every single evening uh, when I go to my office in the evening, they are practicing right outside my office. And, and I have been absolutely astounded by the commitment of these actors who of course are not getting paid uh, necessarily and um, and there have been times when I haven't wanted to interrupt so I will stand there and wait to leave the room and listen to uh, at one point the minister in the story was preaching mm 
and I just from my office listened and felt overwhelmed with emotion at, at um, uh, how powerful those words were. So right. Yeah. You you get actors who, if there's a, a real cause in a play, I certainly uh, this has been my experience. If it's just a play about you know uh, two people falling in love and falling out of love and then getting back together, you know, then that's that's one form of theater. But when you have real issue-oriented theater and you get actors who really, really want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves, and uh, it, it, it can be a religious experience. Absolutely, and this, the marriage of sorts between um, all of these creative actor types and all of these clergy who, um, we are creative as well, I hope, but um, that coming together in this community has been and continues to be really exciting. Now, now, do either of you have any experience in theater prior to this in, in any way, shape, or form? None that I'd claim. Uh, <laughs> something way back, I think I went to high school musicals. one time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And, one you know, in a way, some people say to be... Um, to be a preacher, uh, one has to be able to act well. So there is Absolutely. some of that. Absolutely. Well, that's where worship came from, was Greek theater. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of my favorite expressions for worship is the theater of the spirit. So um, yeah, there's right. a lot of crossover there. Or wait, no, how did I, was it theater that came from Greek worship? No, Greek, I think that's it. Theater came from Greek worship. Okay, okay, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, yeah, there's no question about it, that when you're up there, you are on a stage, and you have to really deliver some of the same things that an actor would. You know, mm -hmm. you have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to have a format of And you bring, um, I mean, I, I read the script, but, of course, it's the bringing those words to life. It's a completely different sentence yes. or a paragraph that is read and acted. It's yeah. the transformation, the alchemy of, of all of that. I, is, I've not had amazing. a chance to see any of the rehearsals, but uh, we we did a read-through back in June, uh, <laughs> both to test uh, some actors, but also to, to look at the script. Oh, and not the read-through with the clergy. Not the oh, with the clergy, okay. no. We won't want to <laughs> mention that. All did oh, this before the actors did? Yeah, that, right. Um, that was an ill-advised uh, move. <laughs> it was um, indeed. But the, the actual read-through, the first one of the script, was uh, I was just stunned with how how clearly the people who were reading could bring it alive, even when they were reading it for the first time off the page. This was before they had a chance to really craft um, any of their actual um, considered acting skill into it. It was it was spur of the moment. It, it is amazing wonderful. that every once in a while you can just... Uh, I'm speaking as, a, as an actor mm -hmm. now, you're just overtaken. All of a sudden, you read the first sentence, and you have an inkling who that person is, mm -hmm. and you just go with it. Now then, of course, sometimes when you're doing a cold read like that, you read about three paragraphs, and you realize, oh, this isn't the person I thought it was. But more often than not, mm -hmm. you, you, you get it right, because when actors audition, many times they've never read the script, and somebody says, okay, take, turn to page 53 and read this and to further that, the hope is our intended audience with this is is our congregants, uh, mainline churches where people may still be, some might be pretty clear about where they stand in terms of um, open and affirming towards gays and lesbians. Some may be in some gray area. And the hope is that people will come and they will recognize themselves in this character. And then something will move in them through that um, so how do you get 
it's it's certainly obvious that you're going to get a number of people who have made up their minds in favor of the point sure. of view that you are trying to bring across. We'll be preaching then, to the choir. Yeah. So to then there's the, the people in the gray area, <clears throat> which, you know, if maybe they get a group discount or something, they might, if all their friends are going, they might go. But then how about the other side, the, the people who hold a completely different opinion than you? How can you market this to them? How can you even get them to say, look, I know you don't agree with this, just watch this and see if there's anything that you can identify with. Mm -hmm. Well, and we're certainly open to that. Um, you know, we, I think when Sarah said we're our target audiences, our congregations, we we decided early on uh, as concerned clergy, as the, as the as the group, and and we reiterated that when we came to producing this play, that our aim was not to engage in, in a, a polarizing kind of. Um, um, approach to this that that wanted to matter our side as the right one, uh, but but to express our opinions as clearly as we possibly could, hoping um, that they would get a fair hearing by anyone who is interested in the issue, um, but knowing um, that it isn't necessarily only about um, philosophically changing people's minds, uh, as much as helping people hear each other's experience. And that's one of the things that the play does really wonderfully mm -hmm. because it's quite well balanced that way with people um, people who, whose experience represents, I think, a pretty broad range of people in the, in the general population. Um, and I, I think the play would, would work well for people from any perspective. Um, they would find someone to identify with. I want to mention right now that you're listening to WGVU. This is Common Threads. I'm Fred Stella. And in the studio with me today is Ron Skidmore. Uh, and Sarah Campbell. They are both ministers of the United Church of Christ, and they are also members of Concerned Clergy. And we're talking about a play that is being produced in Grand Rapids as we speak called Come In From the Rain. Uh, and uh, we have one more week of, uh, of production that you'll have an opportunity to see this. And we'll talk a little bit more about the play and tickets, where, when, who, and how in just a few minutes. I noticed when I read a list of the denominations that uh, that make up concerned clergy, you've got people from various ends of the spectrum. For instance, United mm -hmm. Church of Christ. If if I'm not um, if if I am correct, uh, sexual orientation is not a barrier for the ministry. Right. Okay. Right. We're, right. We're and that's probably that's well the put. only mainline ordination. Right. For whom that is the case. Yes, okay. Now you also have, uh, I noticed there's a, at least one minister, if not more, from the Christian Reformed yes. Church. Yes, mm -hmm. yep. All right. Total different take on who gets ordination. Total different official take on homosexuality. Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Okay. So, so how do you make it all work? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and just to throw into the pot something else that I find fascinating is that um, there are several mainline denominations for whom um, this issue of homosexuality is the issue that they've been obsessed with for the last five years. It threatens to just burst those denominations apart. So it's really big right now all across the board, mm -hmm. with the exception of the UCC, I guess. Um, that doesn't answer your question. Though. Well, th in a way, though, I think it's also, it's not as big in the UCC because it isn't um, necessarily threatening um, on a denominational level, but, but the kinds of statements that are regularly made on a denominational 
level in the UCC or, or even at state conference levels um, are somewhat different in my experience mm -hmm. than the prevailing opinions um, of people in local churches. In other words, people in local churches may still be struggling with the issue um, even though on those who have been in, in the church a long time or who are representative to denominational meetings are um, uh, have clearly represented a, an open and affirming and liberal point of view for quite so, a long time. So that within our con congregations we will have members who believe the notion love the sinner, hate the sin, mm -hmm. and we will have others in our congregation who will say um, affirm and celebrate all of God's good diverse creation. We will have both in our mm -hmm. congregations. But the question you asked again, what was that again? Is how how does it work in concerned clergy where you okay. have, say, 20 people around the table and you've got people, I'm assuming that you two share, uh, your opinions are very, very close yeah, together, if not imagine. identical. Yeah. All right, then all of a sudden you have a Christian reform minister or a Methodist minister. Their church does not allow the flexibility that your mm -hmm. church allows. How does it work? That is to say, another way to, to ask it would, would be, um, concerned clergy, or, or at least you two, would like to see perhaps other or other uh, denominations investigate ordination or, or perhaps um, commitment ceremonies and things like that. I, I would venture a guess, um, and Ron, help me with this, that most all of us, the, the 70 of us, um, would all agree on ordination of gays and lesbians in all of our denominations mm -hmm. and we would all agree we may there's a place where I've noticed some disagreement but this is the only place that I've noticed a significant amount I will I would call a ceremony a wedding and see it no differently with a heterosexual couple there are some members of concerned clergy who still would call that a covenant ceremony mm -hmm. but otherwise I'd say everybody would like all the denominations to be there. Mm -hmm. I think so too. There's a remarkable, um, on this issue, there's a remarkable um, agreement of the members of concerned clergy. I mean, we, we don't spend, we haven't spent really any time um, discussing or arguing um, the philosophical or theological aspects of this. And the, and the biblical interpretation piece is key. I think mm -hmm. we all are similar in that question, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? I would say all, all of us are pretty much in the same place there. So, so then... Well, how we would deal with that, yeah, right, I right. think so. Okay, so my question is, and maybe you can't answer this, how does, say, a Christian Reformed minister or a Reformed Church of America minister sit hmm. uh, at your table without uh, risking his or her credentials? Well, sitting at the table is is not a risk for anybody who's there, I don't think, um, not a big one anyway. Um, however, uh, attaching one's name publicly to the things we've done it has been a risk for some people, yeah. and, and, and everyone is perfectly free to set their own limits about what they can do um, or not do it. And I might even be wrong in saying that sitting at the table isn't a risk. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that, that, I think that for some people even coming to meetings has been um, in some respects an act of, of courage. That's true, and for us we don't think about that, right. do we? That, right. No. Mm -hmm. but, uh, mm. but the meetings are, are you know, private in the sense that you know, we're, we're just clergy gathering um, and, and it's not a, you know, Any one's name Catholics doesn't get attached involved? to that. 
Um, there have been, I, I can't remember if we, I think it seems like we have at least one Roman Catholic signer, and we have had um, some Roman Catholics and attend. lots of private conversations with priest friends yes. who would be completely sympathetic to this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, so I want to make sure that people have the information that they need to have. Uh, so coming up this weekend, the 13th and the 14th, uh, only two performances this weekend then, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that is Friday and Saturday uh, at 8 o'clock, mm -hmm. and it's at the Wealthy Theater, and, and let me plug the Wealthy Theater. It's a great oh, it's a venue, great place, mm -hmm. yeah. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a beautiful theater. There is also um, driving, uh, there's a, going to be a shuttle bus, excuse me, from Trinity Methodist. Okay. Parking there's parking situation. both behind the theater and about a block away at the Trinity Methodist lot with a shuttle bus that will run people down. So there'll, and there'll Trinity be Methodist parking. is on Lake Drive, right? Uh, real close to Fuller. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. What time would they want to get to the Trinity uh, parking lot? Well, the performance is at um, eight o'clock, so I would I would assume getting at the parking lot. It's a very short hop across there. Um, sometime between uh, seven. 30 and 7.50 would be mm, adequate time. I'd put it up to 7, 7.15, just would because um, if they need to buy tickets at the door, if they do order beforehand from Wealthy, wealthy Theater, they um, will reserve them there, and they need to be at the door by 7.30 to pick those tickets okay. up. Okay. So 7, 7.15. Yeah. Okay. The ticket prices, again, uh, at the door are? 15 dollars. $15. $12 in advance. In advance, and they can be had from Tickets Plus. Okay, okay, wonderful. And uh, again, this is uh, the name of the play is Coming from the Rain, an Exploration of Homosexuality, Homophobia, and a Hometown Church. It's directed by Fred Sabolsky and Greg Stroh. It is written by Michael Smolinski. And do you remember any of the names of the actors? Thelma. I remember Thelma. Okay. It's okay. Thelma's Cafe, and that is really the church, I think, in yes. this play. Okay. That becomes a church for a minister in the play. But Thelma's one, David, is it? Oh, you're talking about the characters. Now. Yeah, the, the, the actually, the I'm characters. talking about the actors, the, the, oh, the, the, the names of the actors. Mm -hmm. I have not seen them in rehearsal, so okay. I, I haven't met any of the actors yet. Then that's okay. That's okay. I'm sure they all know who they are, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they'll all know to get to where they need to be when, when the time <laughs> is right. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Right. Okay, uh, what I'd like to do uh, is, even though the play will be over with, uh, this coming weekend, I'd like to have you both back next week. I want to discuss the deeper issues of homosexuality, the Bible, the UCC, and we'll find out just exactly what encouraged both of you and the rest of Concerned Clergy to take the stand uh, that you've taken. Okay. So I would like to thank uh, Reverend Ron Skidmore and Reverend Sarah Campbell, both ministers of the United Church of Christ, and we will talk to you next week. My name is Fred Stella. You're listening to Common Threads on WGVU Grand Rapids. Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. Send questions and comments by email through our website, www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org. Thank you for listening and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads.
This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. Hello and welcome to another edition of Common Threads. My name is Fred Stella, President of the Interfaith Dialogue Association, and with me in the studio today is uh, Reverend Ron Skidmore. He is a Minister of Spiritual Development at uh, the Park Church, UCC. Also in the studio with me is Reverend Sarah Campbell. She is an Associate Minister at East Congregational Church, UCC, in historic Ottawa Hills. And they were here last week, and we spoke about a play which closed last weekend, entitled Coming from the Rain, an exploration of homosexuality, homophobia, and a hometown church, which was uh, written by Michael Smolinski and directed by Fred Sabolsky and Greg Stroh. A wonderful production. We're very happy with uh, the results, and I've asked both Reverend Skidmore and Reverend Campbell to come in this week and talk a little bit more about the organization that they represent, which is Concerned Clergy. And uh, Reverend Skidmore, does Concerned Clergy have a mission statement? Well, it's funny that you should ask that, because I was just thinking as you referred to us as an organization, that that's a little little glorified for what we actually are. Um, It's it's difficult to characterize this. We are a group of... um, clergy from 12 different denominations at the moment um, who meet on a fairly regular basis in in various configurations. There are are, um, 70 of us who have signed, or close to 70, who have signed the pastoral letter that we um, wrote a number of years ago, but at any given meeting we might have anywhere from a dozen to 30, depending on what the project is and and who's available at that time. We don't have any formal structure. Um, intentionally so. Intentionally mm-hmm. so. Um, You're not a 501c3? We are not. And we are, we're uh, a movement one, one of the things that was um, was really a challenge in, in doing the um, play that we've done this month was to deal with the uh, fairly, at least from our small way of looking at it, fairly considerable finances that were necessary to do this and all of that because we, um, we just are a, a group of like-minded persons, at least on this particular subject, who have come together to try to represent our views and and educate um, um, those who would who would like to hear those views and, and be in dialogue about them. Um, but we are pretty a pretty loose configuration. So you're not a fundraising a lot. No, not at all. And we've uh, at this point we've. We've done two workshops um, and and this play, and our aim has only been to um, cover the expenses. Um, We do have someone now who is officially designated as a treasurer and keeps a a checkbook for us, but uh, I expect that when we're done um, settling up all the accounts from the play, we'll be back where we were before, which is pretty much at zero. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't keep any money on hand. Uh, We just get what we need to do what we're trying to do. Even though you don't have an official mission statement, um, would you say that a ragtag definition would be that concerned clergy is very specifically designed to deal with the the um, controversial issue of homosexuality and the Christian Church? Yes. Would, would yes. That, okay, so, so you're you're not at least at this point. You don't want to bring in the environment. You don't want to bring in. 
we have we have chosen I mean, not to do that. We've had that. We've we've had a couple of discussions about that, and at this point, decided that um, that to try and and stay effective with with one issue, we would just stay focused on that. Not that a number of us are involved in different ways in other issues, perhaps even with other organizations. But um, and right, and Sarah, you you're with Faith in Motion for one, sure, which right. is uh, involved in urban sprawl and uh, and transportation, mass transportation, yeah, um, and. I will. We will inform each other about a lot of events, and we're mm -hmm. connected to so many different um, uh, organizations in the city. But I, I see s us following um, in the the footsteps of groups that have fought for social change in other areas, i.e., um, the the Christi committed Christians who were against slavery and the abolitionist movement, and then the civil rights. Many of them. On the forefront, those were rabbis and Christian ministers and faithful people. And it's where uh, we need to be when there is a significant oppression that um, committed Christians need to be there working as we can for social change. So I see us historically in mm -hmm. that vein. And, and concerned clergy is specifically Christian, is, is that correct? Um, it, it turns out, I guess that we are, um, in that um, as we have, I'm sure we don't, we wouldn't even think that we're, uh, it, that there are non-Christians around who wouldn't agree with our position. We know that there are, but in, in terms of, of who actually has been there and, and been uh, part of our group, I believe we and, have And our been. statement, this, this letter that was written, focuses on uh, Jesus. Mm -hmm. and his message. Mm -hmm. So it's very clearly focused. We, we, we sort of did that to ourselves in the sense that our, our initial take was to, to write a pastoral letter to address the church on, on uh, and in the pastoral letter calling churches to repentance about the kinds of attitudes we as churches have tended to justify and promote um, that, that we believe are oppressive for gays and lesbians. And the, and the letter is written more to our congregations, not necessarily on behalf of. So we are not spokespersons for our congregations. This letter and what we do is to our congregations. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. But we have, we had Al Lewis um, in uh, to talk and there's a lot of uh, collaborative work, but, but we, yes, we focus on the gospel, the mm -hmm. good news of uh, inclusivity and acceptance. Let's talk a little bit about well, first of all, because you're both UCC, I'd like to get a little bit of history on UCC. Is it true that UCC stands for Unitarians Considering Christ? <laughs> no comment. Or, or Untied Church of Christ is another word. Okay. What, what is it? What's the other one? Untied Church of Christ. <laughs> well, we, we are, um, no, that's not true. Um, United Church of Christ. And one interesting thing about our denomination is that we are what I call a non-creedal denomination. There are no tests of faith. We have testimonies of faith. So we're very um, uh, wide open to, ver to differing um, beliefs and interpretations. Doctrine, but no dogma. Uh, no doctrine. Well, well I, was, I don't know about that. I, I, I think that um, no, no official doctrine in the sense that you're not 
you're not asked to sign on to a, certain expressions of certain things. No, but a doctrine is, um, is really just a teaching. So, for instance, you're that's teaching right. inclusivity. And if that's how you define doctrine, yes, if yeah. it's more the Doctrine is a use. teaching, dogma is, is something you have to sign on to. Yes, then I would, I would agree. And, as and long as it's defined that way. It, uh, when I teach uh, people coming into our church about the nature of our denomination, I, I say that I, I think we are, um, we are a church that stands in the Orthodox Christian tradition in that um, we hmm. practice sacraments of baptism and, and communion, and um, we take scripture very seriously as, as this, the center piece of um, guidance in and for the church. Uh, in fact, I even make the case that we're, we are a Bible-based church in, in that. Absolutely. Um, scripture has always been central in, in the United Church of Christ and its predecessor denominations, which on, on our side, in, in the congregational side of the UCC, goes back to the Puritans on the Mayflower. Um, and John Smith's um, well-known quote on the Mayflower saying, um, God has yet more light, light and, and truth, truth to, to break, break forth, forth from, from the Word. That sense that, that the Word is taken seriously, but it is constantly open to new understanding and needs to be interpreted anew for new days and, and new situations. Um, and we take that um, we take that license, uh, at least I do, from the Bible itself. I believe I believe Scripture itself teaches us to interpret Scripture. Mm-hmm. Now you said uh, you you mentioned our side, meaning the congregational side. Yes, uh, right. The, the United Church of Christ is a, um, a, a, a merged church um, with a, a fairly long history. The, the most recent merger in 1957 between the evangelical and reformed churches from the German tradition and the congregational Christian churches uh, from the English tradition. Um, and so the church that I um, work at is a, is a congregational United Church of Christ, um, and, and that just means we come from that side of the and, merger. And the Unitarian Church came from congregational churches. Right. When, so that's an offshoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would agree completely that um, the Bible story, um, scripture is taken very seriously. And so when I come to my, uh, my understanding of a belief regarding uh, faith and homosexuality, it is biblically based, and it comes from sound theological and biblical analysis, in, in my understanding. And, and our tradition highly values an um, educated clergy and, um, and, laity. And, and, and laity and biblical scholarship. So this is not just an anything-goes uh, understanding. Well, then let's talk very specifically about the issue of homosexuality and the Bible. Uh, the conservative opinion is that St. Paul says that uh, homosexuality uh, or, or man lying with man, I, I don't have the passage in mm-hmm. front of me, That's is an abomination. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's listed amongst the sins, including gluttony, that mm-hmm. won't get you into heaven, but... Uh, you know, that doesn't stop oversized Christians from <laughs> ever exercising their, <laughs> their faith, now does it? Uh, uh, so so um, give me the opposing opinion on that, uh, the, 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 the reading of the scripture. That my, my understanding, uh, one quick response, and then Ron can help flesh this out, 
is that the Bible um, says nothing about homosexuality, and the Bible says everything about homosexuality. Um, in my understanding about it saying nothing is the very few passages in there does not, do not shed any light on committed homosexual relationships or homosexuality as an orientation in the way that we understand it uh, in a modern mm -hmm. sense. It only talks about a few uh, instances of homosexual acts. So do you want to expound on that, Ron? Well, I can just mention a little. I mean, it can get to be complicated, and we, we don't want to go probably too far into the uh, chapter and verse on all of this, but there are, there are three primary um, references often cited, two from Leviticus and one from Romans, um, that um, clearly do, um, in their own terms and their, in their own words, forbid um, homosexual relationships. The interpretive question turns on what their understanding of that was and what the context in which in which that those words were spoken was and the best scholarship at least in my opinion on this is one um, is the point of view that indicates uh, for instance the passage from Romans that you cited Fred was um, one in which um, one of the authors that I've read on this says that um, St. Paul does not distinguish between homosexual behavior and um, sexual orientation. As far as Paul is concerned, there's no such thing as sexual orientation. He assumes everyone is straight. So what he is looking at and then condemning is what he sees as behavior that goes against the natural bent, if, if natural of means... course self. If natural means straight, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in, in the same way that the Bible also... Um, has, for instance, um, very clear regulations or very clear statements that um, support and do not condemn slavery. Um, as we engage these texts over time, and, and of course the passages on slavery were used um, to, to su biblically support the practice of slavery in this country, um, but as, as as our understanding changes, as society changes, as, as people's understanding, I think, even of the nature of what these texts are really aiming at changes, we have given ourselves permission, and again, I think Scripture also does this even within itself, to, um, to say, you know, I don't think that means that anymore. I don't think we, we can take it that way anymore. One of my favorite examples um, has to do with um, Jesus' own teaching, where he cites... Um, a law that I believe is in Deuteronomy that we all have heard that says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that is clearly an Old Testament law. Um, when Jesus cites it, he cites it in order to change it and to say, um, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, love your neighbors, or love your enemies, and, and pray for those who persecute you. Um, that sense that he understood that what was, what was a functional law at one point in, in the history of the tradition um, at this point is, is not serving um, the purpose of, of higher awareness of, of how people can mm -hmm. best live together. And so it's, it's from that perspective then that we choose to um, look at the passages regarding homosexuality in much the same way that we have um, bracketed in, in um, and I think the whole culture has, even sometimes the most conservative people, bracketed a number of other um, 
um, clear sexual regulations in biblical texts that we we ignore completely. Um, the Bible, uh, in various ways, supports polygamy, for instance, um, and yet um, most Christians would not say that because the Bible says that's okay, we think that's okay. Uh, the mores change. Right. Right. So this issue of our modern understanding of sexual orientation is far different than the understanding that folks had 2,000 years ago. And just like there's nothing in scripture about organ transplants, because they didn't have that back then, mm -hmm. we um, were dealing with something new. And we look at scripture, but we also look at reason, um, tradition, and experience, or scientific knowledge. Mm -hmm. All of that needs to be a part of Christian decision-making. Yeah. One of the other persuasive um, <coughs> arguments for me around the passages related to homosexuality in the Bible, those three that I mentioned, um, is that um, the research that I have read has indicated that um, there was a fairly widespread um, homosexual culture, certainly in Greek culture and probably in Roman culture as well, um, and and most of it was based on a, on a fairly, first of all, a fairly misogynist um, perspective that um, that saw relationships with women as, as being um, you know, good for the um, um, advancement of the species, but um, but women were really held in great disdain, and and so men tended even to um, have their um, sexual relationships that weren't just for procreation with other men, but in 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 doing so, uh, the model seems to have been uh, a fairly unequal one, where um, older men would be in relationships with boys. And kind of like prison. Kind of like yeah. prison. Yeah, um, very exploitative. Very exploitative. And that seems to be, especially when that's the model of these relationships that's there and it's the only one you know, then to say, you know, that's not good, we don't want to do that, is, um, is, is what we understand those texts in Scripture to be saying. And from that point of view, we would agree with them. Right. But to say, as Sarah did earlier, when we look at the model of homosexual relationships, gay and lesbian relationships that, that we see in our society of of loving, committed relationships based also on an understanding of sexual orientation as as a um, uh, as, as not a, a choice so much as, a, as as part of one's nature, um, then we have to say that the Bible really doesn't speak to that at all. But it does speak to that the issue of homosexuality, and it speaks to um, the question of um, including and accepting and loving. Mm -hmm people who are on the margins, and uh, one of the core messages that Jesus both spoke and lived in his inclusive table fellowship was, um, I bring in um, people who are on the margins, who are oppressed, mm -hmm. and I not only eat with them and um, accept them, but I look them in the eye and I love them, their whole person, and so that's, that's just... That's the core of it. What do you have any opinion, either personally or? It sounds to me like concerned clergy doesn't have a lot of official opinions. But but uh, could you comment on what is called reparative therapy? Uh, these uh, predominantly Christian organizations uh, who claim that they can turn a gay person straight is is that possible? I, I, my comment, my thought is, it, it's an emotional response. Um, 
so I need to articulate that for the radio. Um, I am, by and large, appalled by that sort of therapeutic approach. Um, I have been in enough sessions in my office with the door closed, with people who gradually are coming out to themselves and seeing the freedom and the love and the acceptance and the knowledge that God finds them to be God's beloved um, in their entirety, that I find that sort of um, therapy for the most part. I'm sure there are, there are aberrations where there are people who maybe are heterosexual who are confused about their sexuality. But um, I think that uh, for the most part my sensibility uh, goes to helping people accept who they are. What's your sense, Ron? Well, I would, I would say the same thing. In, in all of my um, experience in talking with people who uh, are gay or lesbian, um, they're frequently, frequently, the this, this, this struggle is um, one of a number of years of, of trying to come to terms with a fact about themselves and, and their own preferences that they didn't choose and, and often, at least at first, because of the, the social uh, constrictions placed on that, don't want. Um, and so in some respects, I mean, this is a, turning that around, I, I think that the kinds, the kinds of open and affirming approaches that uh, our church and a number, I mean, our, the United Church of Christ and, and other denominations have different names for for that is is in also it's in a way a reparative therapy, but but on the other side to help people repair their own self image mm, when it's been uh, so damaged by society that says you you shouldn't be who you are. Don't you find also oh, finish that thought, Ron? I, I was going to say, don't you find my experience has also been that people who are um, coming to a sense of themselves have various hurdles that they have to overcome in terms of acceptance of their orientation, and so often. The last hurdle, the last piece is the sense of religious shame, which is so deeply um, ingrained. And um, that's where um, I feel like we are about to sort of uh, repairing and um, to, to really speak to that deep shame and that hurdle, that you can overcome that hurdle as well. Yeah, and the, and the churches, knowingly or unknowingly, over time have done quite a lot to um, to help reinforce and build that shame, and so to be, to be looking at a, uh, from from this point of view at, at a ministry that that seeks to find ways to um, undo some of that um, is right. is part of what I uh, feel. It's part of my reason for being involved in yeah. in concern clergy. It, it um, I think what the extremely conservative end of the spectrum tries to do is showcase, admittedly, a large part of the homosexual lifestyle is the freewheeling, the bars, the leather. I, we know that's there, and my guess would be that that isn't uh, a, an area that you would encourage. I, I think that with, I think churches have a hard time looking at sexuality in general, but to really acknowledge the power of sexuality to both distort, maim, do violence to yes. another by not honoring its sacred nature, mm -hmm. or to bless. Mm -hmm. That goes for heterosexual or homosexual. True. So That's there's great true. power. And I, I have problems with um, promiscuity, whether it be heterosexual or homosexual. It's, it's a really a lack of 
of honoring the power mm-hmm. of sexuality. And, and, and that piece has was part of the witness of, of concerned clergy's pastoral prayer to, to, um, just to be clear about the fact that while we are supporting um, people who find themselves um, gay or lesbian, um, we also hold all of us to the same standards um, of um, acting um, with our sexuality in ways that thoroughly respect ourselves and other people. Right. The right. problem with uh, gay and lesbian relationships is they're in a catch-22 because there's not a lot set up in our structures to um, help with that. that. In a healthy way. The, problem, yeah. the problem is it's like straight men would be as promiscuous as gay men, but we straight men have something that stops us from being that promiscuous, and that's called women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and what I don't think many people see is that when you talk about homosexuality, we're talking more about sex, we're talking about people who actually fall in love. Oh, sure. And Absolutely. that is just something that transcends and, everything. And I just think about <laughs> when I was in grade school and would develop these infatuations or crushes, it was always with, with boys. And I know that that happens for some people at that yes. young age with somebody of the same sex. That is deep within Absolutely. one's core. Yes, yes. And I just, I can't imagine uh, trying to talk yourself out of that. Trying to talk yourself out of being Without doing great violence to your your own self. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you've had the play, which uh, come in from the rain, which closed last weekend. Uh, are you planning in Concerned Clergy any other projects, anything well, that the... the, the, the <laughs> we'll end the way we started. I said we weren't uh, much of an organization in terms of having a, a mission statement and long-term plans, and, and we really have lived kind of from hand to mouth with these different events. We did one, and that went well, and we thought we'll do another, and that went well, and so we thought, well, we'll try this play, and that's gone well, too, although it's taken an awful lot of work and, um, oh and time. Oh, my goodness. Yes, not another project not yet. Another, but but I, we, okay. we, we don't know what But we'll we want to hang out together. That's yeah. the thing. We really enjoy each other's company. So if, and if we, it, we will that's continue. what it takes. I'm sure we'll do something else. We don't know what yet. We haven't even begun to discuss that. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do is ask both of you uh, to, because we only have a couple of minutes left here, uh, we'll start with uh, Reverend Skidmore. Tell us uh, about East, uh, your services, and... Oh, at Park. I'm at Park I'm, I'm, Forgive me. Mm-hmm. A, a Park. And uh, just tell us a little bit about what you offer. Well, my job there is, um, I, my title is Minister of Spiritual Development, but I've got the unique position of being a full-time adult educator. And so I do uh, a range of variety of, of classes and workshops, either that, that I teach or bring other people in to teach. Um, I lead a contemplative worship service for half an hour on Sunday mornings, um, teach an adult class at at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and then um, there's regular worship um, in in a traditional Protestant style at 11 o'clock. Okay, and uh, Sarah? Yes, East Congregational Church uh, worship at 10, 11 o'clock, our perspective series, which is our adult education forum. I do a lot also with adult education, but... Uh, regrettably don't have the luxury of full-time education. Um, Pastoral care, preaching, I do it all, and I love love being a generalist. Okay. Well, I would like to thank you both, Reverend Ron Skidmore, Reverend Sarah Campbell, for being with us here from Concerned Clergy. My name is Fred Stella. This is Common Threads here on WGVU. Please join us next week.
Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. Send questions and comments by email through our website, www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org. Thank you for listening and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads. Mm-hmm.